in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Welcome back, everybody. Hi, this is episode one hundred and twelve of the Two White Chicks in China podcast. It is. It's the show where we talk about China and everything related to it. <laughs> we do. <laughs> so I want to quickly jump in with a little story about、uh, my experiences in the park the other day. So I now I go to the park for my lunch, and three things happened to me that you could call. Only in China moments. <laughs> so I enter the park, and the first thing I see is the barber, and he's not—he's—he's he's not a new thing. He's there quite frequently. But as I get closer to him, I realised he's got a cutthroat razor, and he's about to, or in the process of shaving off a man's eyebrows. I walked slowly, trying to sort of see, but I, you know, I was like mesmerised. Like, is he really doing this? But yeah, he was—he had the razor on his eyebrows. These pop-up barbers are everywhere. In China, like in the most obscure locations, on my walk to the metro, there's one. Oh, is there another one?、Yep. I've never seen another one apart、oh. from this guy. Yeah, anywhere you can throw a stool, there'll be a barber there. Not on the beaten path, but like just slightly off, you'll see very. And it's usually like five yuan or something crazy cheap to get your hair cut. I've seen quite a bit of it. Maybe because in my area there's a lot of construction work going on, so the lot there's a lot of construction workers. So there's usually this kind of people who frequent this type of salon. It's very convenient. In fact, as I saw him, I thought. Oh, maybe he'll cut my hair. But then when I saw him with the eyebrows, I thought this could go terribly wrong. No, thank you. <laughs> kind of nice. I mean, think about it on the way to the metro. If you need a quick, if you haven't had time to shave、For、in the shave. morning and you need a quick good,、yeah. shave, yeah. Yeah, on just on that. Actually, you've just reminded me of these ladies you often see who like shine your shoes. I've seen people just yeah, on must be on the way to work, just sat, and she's just very quickly given the shoes a shine. Or fix your shoes if your heel breaks, or you know、True. you have a tear in your. I don't know how many times I've had a sandal issue in this city where I'm walking along, and all of a sudden one of my sandal strap、right. pops, and、yeah. I'm like, "Crap! What am I gonna do here?" And then you just walk over, <laughs> and for a dollar or less, somebody will just basically reconstruct your shoe, good as new. It's perfect. So the next thing I saw was this older lady. She must have been in her sixties, I would imagine. In the park, there's a fountain, but there's no water in it. But on the outside, obviously, there's a space where you can sit. So this old lady, as though she's a ballerina, there's no way that older ladies, I think, you know, for example, my family members, I can't imagine them doing this. She has her leg like way up on the, also like laid out on the on the fountain. And she's clipping her toenails. So imagine her like <laughs> bending over as well. So this older older lady for a start just I just thought, wow, how flexible are you? That's amazing. I'm always shocked about how flexible the older people they are. are they? Yeah, I think the squat toilets also help that they can do this squatting thing. I really do think it helps maintain. Their knees. That must be it. Yeah, because my grandmother could not squat like that. Definitely not. There came a point where she couldn't squat anymore at all, even with her feet raised. Not like they do with their feet flat on the floor, where they look like birds. Which is amazing. <laughs> It is amazing. I have still not managed to master that, but I'm not very flexible anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But the toenail clipping, I actually was thinking about this today, this morning before coming to work, because this is one part of Chinese culture that is shocking. I think. Yeah, and what's more bizarre is that it happens everywhere. This lady, okay, she's outside. 
So that's not too bad. It's, it's it's strange for us to see that, but I've see, seen people clip their toenails and fingernails on the metro, on a bus. In the office. In the office. You can hear the clip, clip, clip. <laughs> and they're not using it because you can get those clippers with the bit on the bottom, right, that will collect all the bits. They don't, they're not using that, these. They're like toenails <laughs> flying around. Like they could take an eye out <laughs> in an enclosed space. <laughs> not to, just, it's bizarre to me. It's something I've never ever gotten used to and I still find it a little bit off-putting or shaving too shaving is not a problem I've seen people with an electric razor on the metro or with like a straight <laughs> razor on the metro shaving themselves. really yeah. I've never I mean, seen it on the metro not but their seen... legs but their fa- right. men's faces sure. yeah yeah I've never seen that I've seen the security guards do it in their boxes you know they're outside they have these little boxes on the entrances to buildings and parks or just sometimes randomly on the street and I've seen one of the security guards near our place do that, just, <laughs> you know, but never on the metro. I have, I have. Yep. Perfect. I've even seen a guy walking and shaving. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Oh. That, ta- that's, that takes some, I don't even know what it takes, St- strategy? I don't know. That's clever. That's like trying to put lipstick on while you're walking mm-hmm. or driving. Anyway, uh, so the third thing that I experienced in the park was, so this is the middle of the day, it's around 2, 2 o'clock. The park's quite busy actually, although mo- a lot of people tend to nap during this time. There were people dancing, practicing their ballroom dancing, just people out with kids, taking a walk, you know, just generally hanging out in the park. And all of a sudden this guy comes in looking like a ghostbuster with this huge tank on his back and starts to spray poison into the woods, like the wooded area. It's these this thick white smoke. It smells so bad. I had to move. I actually came back to the office early because it was so bad. And people were like running away like, you know, you can imagine them screaming because the because of this poison is just in the, just like so thick in the air. Why don't they do it at nighttime? Is that wrong of me to think that that might be the best time to do it when there's no one in the park or it's, early early or early morning. on? Right. I wonder if they can't do it without light. Just use a torch. <laughs> No, I've I've also seen smoking. Crazy. I don't know what they're spraying for. I think it's, it's rats. rats yeah. I think it's rats. Usually, it's the same stuff they also put down the into the sewers. But it was just clouding up into the, and it was there was masses of it. It wasn't just a little bit, and the smell was just so bad. And I'm sure it doesn't affect humans. Like it doesn't. It probably doesn't hurt us. But it was pretty bad. Who knows? I doubt there's a whole lot of studies going on. And this is China. So. Wow, there's a lot of things going on at the park the other day. That was the one. One of the more adventurous lunch times I've had. Isn't that funny? I don't know if it's because when one of those incidents happens, like something that really surprises you, then you're more in tune to the right. other ones. But I find also mm. that some days seem to be uneventful and other days are just chock full of these little adventures. Yeah, I agree. Yes, I'll have days where nothing happens and I'll just come to work, go home, nothing, nothing, and then crazy days like that. Mm. That was Monday, I think. Before we get into it, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has left us a review on iTunes. We say it every week, but it really helps other people find us because for whatever reason, reviews were heavy and that will help us rank higher if you if someone searches for, for say, China as a keyword or whatever. And, and also to um, everyone who is who is a patron on Patreon, if you would like to support us further, you can go to patreon.com slash twowhitechicks, and the two is T-W-O. Nora, do you have a fact for us? Yes, please. So I was moved 
by watching a video. It's from 2016, but it was the first time that I had ever seen it. And it was about a Kwai D delivery guy. So Kwai D just is like express delivery. And the industry here is really fierce. And if you see it in person, that's the only way you can realize how much hustle goes into this kind of job. And this video was about a quite guy. He had been delivering packages for eight years. He alone delivers about 200 packages a day. Wow. He receives one yuan per package, so he makes about 200 yuan per day. And he starts work at 7 in the morning and he finishes at 10 p.m. <gasps> Is that a standard? I think so. Wow. Maybe in Shenzhen it's higher, but oh, I, I feel think... so bad now. No, order more stuff. Give him a job. <laughs> okay, I'll order more stuff, but you know, there have been times when I've I haven't been best pleased with my Kwaidi Ren. <laughs> yeah, I think that they're pretty. But this anyway, we'll post a link to the video. Mm -hmm. I hope because it's on a Chinese server because it's from a Chinese video site. Which this actually this website it's very much in favor of just like promoting the positive side of China. So it's it's a bit over the top sometimes okay. with this like dramatic and China's amazing and all this stuff. But the videos are really cool. Um, and this video too, it almost made me cry. Like he was oh. just so happy. He was like getting into an elevator and one of the people was saying, oh, thank you for delivering our packages. And he really took it to heart. He was mm -hmm. like, it's so heartwarming to hear that I'm doing something good for society. Most people can understand my job and what I'm doing. And that was really important for him. And so he was really happy. He said one time he was delivering a package and he left his little, he has one of those three-wheeled, tuk-tuks, those like yes. three-wheeled scooter car things, and he left it with some packages downstairs, and mm -hmm. he had to pay a fine of, let's see, 2,700 <gasps> US dollars because somebody stole his truck and all the packages inside. But then he thought he would quit, and he decided to continue, and I don't know, his story was just really sweet and heartwarming. And so your fact of the day is that China, there are 100 million parcels delivered per day in China. Nice fact. So That's love brilliant. your quietie guys. If there, if there's a little bit of a problem, give them some slack. These guys are working hard. I, and think about how often it's just flawless and you don't even think about it. Right. I'm still reeling from his fine. That's insane. Like, I mean, how he? That's how many days of work must that have been? I know. Must have really. Set oh, him that's back. just heartbreaking. Horrible. Yeah, I almost wanted to be like, "Who are you? I'm gonna send you money." Yeah. <laughs> the note to this poor man. Oh, well, I have a news article which is. I think it's it's also uplifting. It starts off bad, but it gets way better. And you actually, you might have already heard about this because it's been quite a popular article. Um, and I've seen it on various different news channels, but this comes from the South China Morning Post. So this is about a, Chin a Chinese taxi driver who's been finally reunited with his missing daughter after a 24-year search. Aww. Yeah. This is about a couple, Wang Mingqing and his wife, Liu Chengying. 24 years ago, they were fruit stall vendors in Chengdu, and... The, their daughter was playing by them and they took their eyes off her for a second and then she disappeared. So the, this is a story about this guy. Obviously, they were devastated. They had a second child, but they never stopped looking for her. And in 2015, the father became a taxi driver and he realized that a lot of his, uh, his customers were using their phones all the time. So he started to make posts on social media to help find the daughter. 
And he also printed and distributed 10,000 flyers. In fact, I, I don't think there were flyers. I think there were more like business cards that he would give out to all his customers. There was there was newspaper articles. But then th three years had passed and he, he'd, had, he'd been contacted by some women, but he they'd done DNA tests, but they still hadn't found anyone. And according to statistics, tens of thousands of children are, are, are kidnapped every year in China, which is... Tens of thousands? Yeah, yeah there's no like official official number right um but then two weeks ago a 27 year old woman contacted him and said i think i'm your daughter and so the it turns out that this woman was actually she grew up only 12 miles so that's 20 kilometers away so this whole time she was only a car journey like a short car journey away people probably commute further than that yeah and um so they did dna tests and it they confirmed that she's actually their daughter oh. and then so yesterday they actually met for real. They Whoa. were for the first time in in twenty four years. They they actually met. It's like happy but so it's, sad. Yeah, it's it's sad to think that they've gone so long. I mean, goodness knows they maybe they thought that she died. Yeah, it's very curious about the about the kidnapping thing. I guess it happens all over the world. But... So was she kidnapped then? Yeah, yeah, she was. They don't know. There was no details about what what exactly had happened to her. But she'd been living with adopted parents because there was I read the comments on this article and people were saying oh that the adopted parents should be you know should be should be shot you know like all these terrible things but someone said they probably didn't steal them they were probably taken by someone else and the adoptive couple probably paid for this child I'm sure yeah yeah. Who knows the facts? But. It's, a, it's so interesting. Mm. Um, I just want to maybe shed some light on this whole kidnapping thing. I just recently was reading a little bit about Chinese just a filial piety and how important mm. it is. And one Chinese writer was saying that if you don't have a child in your whole family's eyes, you're basically useless and you have killed the whole family line and you are nothing. And so you mm. might think about that a little bit when you try to put in like try to comprehend this if somebody can't have a child how what kind of desperation they might be under to yeah. get one and i'm obviously not saying this is the right thing but no. i mean it might help people understand why this happens at such an alarming rate here in yeah. china yeah and think that ivf and whatnot is is very expensive so if you can't afford that this is obviously a, dr a very drastic decision to make, but perhaps that's the, the only alternative, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's move on to our question. And this question comes from Elle. And she says, I'm an art historian. I used to teach theory at the Art Academy here in Rotterdam. I'm working on a project related to China together with one of my former students. She's from Chengdu. Yesterday we were discussing the fact that there is a growing group of young people that are longing for a little more depth in life, a more reflective and philosophical level. One of her favourite shows right now on Yoku is a programme called Round Table. They discuss serious subjects she has never seen discussed on Chinese TV. Her other latest TV addiction is a series called In the Name of the People. She called it the Chinese equivalent of House of Cards, which I'm sure is very interesting. Regarding the longing for a little more depth, reflection, contemplation, and even religion in life, is that something that you see happening around you? Do you maybe have similar observations or on other levels? My former student generally calls Chinese people quite stupid and shallow, but while working on this project together, she realized that she's not the only one in her country that is longing for more than just online buying new stuff. I'm very curious what your take is on this Oof. 
That's brutal. Yeah, this is a very interesting topic and both Nora and I have spent a lot of time thinking about our response. Before we get on, I just want to mention about Yoku is like an online streaming service for, for TV shows. Most of which, yeah, as, as Elle mentions, they're not on like your standard TV channel. And also Roundtable. I asked Champson and she said, yeah, it's like a topical chat show. I think it's based on an American TV show, actually, from what I saw online. They I, all are, Holly. The, I, that's true. <laughs> Cool. Well, this, yeah, how to even approach this topic. Right. So, first of all, I want to say that L student is not alone. A lot of Chinese people are very critical about their peers and their obsessions with very materialistic things. A lot of people are consumed with the idea that money is everything and that's their goal in life. And so I think this sentiment is shared by a lot of people in China. Yeah. Actually, it's based on statistics, in fact. There's an article I found that said 71% of Chinese people measured their success by things they own. So in the US it's 21%, in the, in the UK it's 16%. So that's, I mean, that's pretty impressive actually. And this is from people, this is what people say about themselves. This isn't like an external interview or something. True, but I think maybe the framework is also, because I think in the US with this Protestant ethic, like work ethic, people would be ashamed to admit that. So right. I'm not so sure. That that's accurate, mm-hmm. yeah. But still, I yeah. do think materialism here is just so blatant. Right. More so than in other places that I've been lived in. Definitely. Yeah, and we've talked, in fact, in the last episode, we, we touched on, like, the nouveau riche and how things changed so rapidly in China that these people that came into money, they had nothing. And then all of a sudden, they had everything. I mean, could you imagine what you would do with that kind of money or how that might change your mentality or change what was important to you? I, I bet it would. And I think just even thinking beyond your physical needs for stuff is a luxury that has not been afforded to many Chinese people until now. Until I mean, now. Yeah. now the middle, we've talked a little bit about the rise of the middle class and there's still a large population of China that is below the poverty line. And so a lot of people just don't have the luxury to think about things besides basic necessity. I think this idea of this esoteric thinking you need time you need time on your hands to sit and think and contemplate the world and people like this Kwai D guy going back to the story of this Kwai D guy he's you know he's probably not going home he only has a, a tiny window from getting home at night until getting back up in the morning for work right. that he can do anything let alone ponder the greater questions about life can you expect somebody to want to do that to want to spend their time trying to figure out all of life's mysteries I mean I think once you meet people's basic needs and they have free time then you see more of this cultivation of the idea of spirit and Mm -hmm. understanding of the world around you beyond the material goods right yeah i think and it's the same for many other people who work retail and say they work as a chef or in a hair salon they all have a small amount of free time that's the impression i get And when they do have the free time, well, they spend it with friends and they play cards and 
maybe have a, have a drink. But you know, why not? That's what we also do in our free time. Also, I think most of China still has a six day work week. Just to remind people that I think、mm. we have a five day work week in Shenzhen and in Shanghai and Beijing. When I was living in Chengdu, it was definitely a six day. I don't know if that's changed. I'm sure it's changing, but it's still a reality. Most people only have one day off. That's quite a big difference: five days versus six days. It's quite a reduced amount of time off compared to the West, and also the lack of a organized religious culture in China. I think when you're, as I was, forced to sit in church every week for several hours, of course you contemplate life, and you have just this setting that makes it more appropriate to consider life in all of its mysteries and <laughs> glories. <laughs> yeah. I I do want to say that, and this might be because you get to spend actual time talking to them. But I've met a lot of taxi drivers who obviously have a lot of opinions, and they've somehow they've educated themselves. Whether it's just from listening to the news because they get time to listen to the radio, or perhaps reading newspapers when they take a break. But some of these men seem highly intelligent and actually have very interesting opinions. That has surprised me, you know. Me too. And then you. Get the guy who, as soon as you get in the taxi, is like, "How much money do you make?" Right. <laughs> well, there are always going to be people like that in all walks of life, I think. Definitely. And, and actually, one thing I I was thinking when I when I was thinking about my response to this was that although L student calls Chinese people stupid and shallow because. They're obsessed with material items, and they're, they're not considering the meaning of life and things like that. Aren't there people like that in all walks of life? And we and we don't. Maybe we do criticize them as well. I guess.、Uh, I'm just thinking, but like back home, there are a lot of people like that. They don't have to, like, as you said, they actually don't have time to think about those things. They have to work. They come home. They make dinner. They look after their kids. They go to bed and repeat. I think it's also seeing China as a whole from the outside. So this student has been. Living in the UK for an extended, I assume, an extended period of time, and so she's kind of reflecting back on China without being a part of it at this time in her life. And so I think when you view something like that as an outsider. You tend to be really critical, and you tend to pick up on things that you wouldn't necessarily notice while you're living there. After having been living outside of the U.S. for almost nine years now, when I go back to the U.S., I tend to realize things that I had just kind of taken for granted growing up. And so I think people tend to be really critical about China without actually considering their own country and how, like you said, shallow and materialistic people are. You just don't think about.、No. You don't think about it. Or you have a way that you can justify because you understand that culture better. How do you mean? If you see somebody who's obsessed with their phone, for example, in your home country, but you realize that growing up they didn't have any money, and now this is their first smartphone or something、mm-hmm. like that, you can understand better. Like, well, yeah, they're obsessed with their phone because they've waited their whole life to have this kind of material possession, and so you can appreciate it better. But if you're if you don't understand at all, if you're if you're completely out of context, you might view the actions and purchasing behavior as something crass or you know like this nouveau rich that we did,、mm-hmm. nouveau rich that we discussed for in previous. That's that's what I mean. I think viewing China as an outsider, as we are, or as somebody who a Chinese person who has lived abroad for a long time, we tend to be just more critical than we might be in our home environment.、Mm. 
And another thing is actually goes back to what you said when I when I mentioned my statistic about 71% of Chinese people measuring their success by things they own. That also comes back to the fact that they're not embarrassed about that actually sort of relates to your point about this protestantism of not actually admitting it you don't really even if you are materialistic no one's gonna say well yes i am it's so it's so blatant in china there's no, no one feels bad about it there are so many crazy stories about people selling body parts for an iphone and whatnot but it's because i don't know because it's there's some sort of honesty here that those things are not hidden away i guess i think it'll be really interesting to see how this cha- i believe this is something that will change mm-hmm. once more and more people have disposable income for a longer period of time it's like you give a kid a box of candy he's they're gonna just if they never have candy and you give them an entire box of candy they're just gonna rip through the whole thing without considering the consequences they're just saying look at all the candy that I have and they're gonna brag about it to their friends but if you give that kid a box of candy every single day I believe you will see a shift in their behavior and I think it's a similar thing with here in China so many of these people that we're talking about their parents or grandparents who are starving to death and who are literally eating dirt and bark to survive Mm. the mass starvation and now they can afford all these luxuries like I can understand that I do believe that that people here can be quite shallow but i think that that will change once kind of this excitement about having the money subsides i really do believe that people will start turning outward and looking for meaning beyond the almighty yuan yeah just on that that this idea of having so much money and just and having almost like no respect for it i i've also met a lot of people who are still quite frugal in a sense for example my a friend of my chinese friend her mom she's maybe in her late 50s she's actually a, a around the same age as like my parents and I remember we went to their hometown anyway we went for a trip just for like two or three days and they were talking about getting ice cream and the ice cream was super cheap it was like too quiet or something and she made a comment about it being really expensive <laughs> so this uh, there, there is still a sense of like frugality or when I go to the fruit and veg stall they'll say oh, how much you know how much are the apples and the vendor will say like 10 kwai for a half a kilo or whatever and they'll be like, wow that's too expensive so there's they're still willing to bargain <laughs> quite a bit definitely and that's part of the culture too yeah. bargaining so yeah i've also seen that at my local i'm like it's so cheap already and yeah they're it is like cheap. pushing it is them cheap. for a lower price <laughs> but i'll say in my circle of friends here in china i'll have to say a lot of the people that i know on a more deeper level are actually really really wealthy and that's because of the way that i've come in contact with them a lot of these are people who sent their kids to the kindergarten where my husband was working at previously and this kindergarten was very expensive therefore the parents were very wealthy and so i have quite a few friends in that circle who are i mean i'm talking about wealth like millionaires and even billionaires that we know here in china and i do see this shift happening because now they have all the money in the world they don't have to think about money yeah and i do see them starting to one one in particular that i'm thinking about a friend of mine she has this unquenchable thirst 
to understand mm. the world. I'm talking philosophically and spiritually. She's just, I'm, she's constantly reading. I always see her with English books, by the way. She didn't learn English until quite later in life. Right. And she's just, she can't get enough of it. And this mm. is somebody, so this is somebody who has all the money in the world. And she is definitely turned on to this idea of understanding beyond the material world, what's going on in life, in the universe, etc., etc. And I've seen that in other friends like this too. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very interesting because I, I was wondering if this idea of looking for depth and uh, kind of philosophical ideas was something that is maybe only done by Chinese people who've studied abroad and experienced life outside of China. But that's obviously not the case because this friend is this friend of yours. Has she been like? Has she stu- she didn't study abroad? No, right? she hasn't. She's done quite a bit of traveling, as a lot of the wealthy Chinese right. people they travel. Oh man, I just read a statistic that Chinese people spent twice what Americans did traveling abroad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. After holidays, there are always these amazing statistics, like after Chinese New Year, how much money China spent abroad, and it's very interesting to be honest. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she hasn't lived abroad, but she's just she has a time. <laughs> Yeah. And I think she's one of the few Chinese people who have the time. And I think women tend to be more, first of all, like in general, women tend to gravitate towards religion more. If you look at the breakdown of most, like at least in Christianity, so many women tend to kind of, I think women in general just tend to relate more to spirituality and like the earth. And mm-hmm. I don't know. There's some, I think there's something there. I haven't really thought about it that hard, but yeah. I see that in China, a lot of women tend to be more curious I think about metaphysical the metaphysical realm mm. and also I think they're the people who have time on their hands because and actually these women that I know a lot of them did make their own money they're not just like kept women cool. but Sounds they had good. their own businesses or a lot of times it's a partnership like the husband is also really powerful and then mm. they're also like they didn't come they weren't taken off the street as a pauper and turned into this princess they were actually like had their own businesses and were running their own businesses but I think that they can afford to take time off and do that kind of thinking when they're raising the kids versus the men who I think have doesn't matter how successful they are they seem to be continually like I don't know any Chinese guy who's just retired early takes the time off yeah Yeah. Yeah. if he can make more money he's gonna make more money whereas you see in the west like I have a friend who just retired at the age of 42 because he said I've made what I need to make and now he's just got some properties. He's like, I can live off the properties for the rest of my life. I have a nest egg for my kids. Like, my parents are going to be fine. And he's literally retired. I don't think that really happens in China. No. At least I've never heard of that happening where a man says, okay, I'm done with work. I'm just going to hang out, you know, No. and think about life. Like, I don't, I think that Chinese, like, their friends would be really shocked. And, like, I just don't think that would work here in China. Yeah. So I think men don't, really don't have the time to think about it. Because even if they do reach a level of success, they still, like, they're mm. supposed to grab for more. Yeah, and, and maybe that's also to do with face like to always be impressive you know I can make I make I've made more money than you or whatever and I probably this is quite negative of me but I imagine a lot of these wealthy people they'll go to Macau and then just like lose it all (laughs) oh yeah maybe gambling is definitely a big issue here that's why it is illegal in China yes yeah, and actually, I think they can only go to Macau once or twice a year. <laughs> They're only a good allowed. Yeah, for that. yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that's that. But I would probably make it quite an interesting podcast episode, like this idea of like addiction and ga- like with gambling. 
when I was looking to answer this question, I, I did some research. It's, it's kind of hard because I feel like we could go in many directions with this question. But this idea of anti-intellectualism and a lot of criticism of China not being interested in, in looking outside the box. But I feel as though, I mean, I know we've touched on various various reasons why not. But this idea that actually Chinese people just don't want to do that and they're very comfortable being in the box. <laughs> Yeah, it's also related to Taoism, 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 however you want to say it. The idea that everything you need is right in front of you. You don't need to go wandering off somewhere. It's like such a huge difference from, for example, my ancestors who are the Vikings, who are like, the only thing there is to do is to go out and conquer. Kill everyone. Yes. <laughs> Rape and pillage. Yeah, do other things, yeah. <laughs> Right. But China, the idea is you don't need to go out there. Every The yeah. universe exists mm -hmm. in a grain of sand. Yeah. In, in a way, wouldn't that just be so... Just to have these simple things in life and just and just accept it and be like, good, I'm good, I'm happy. I don't need to look any further. There's going off what you just said. I remember being told that to have a perfect life, there's five things. I think for a man, there are five things you need to achieve. Now let me see if I can remember this. There's obviously you need a wife and you need a child, a house, a car, I guess to be rich, maybe the fifth one. Do you do you know this? Have you heard of this? I know Gao Fu Shui, which is like the <laughs> equation for the right, perfect the man. The perfect man. No, this is like what a man to be happy in life or to reach like the highest point in their life, they need to achieve those five things. I can't, I'm trying to think who told me that, but unfortunately I couldn't find anything on it. So if that's it, well then you're done, you're good. If you have those five things in life, well sorted. Maybe the question is also imposing a Western ideology onto a Chinese system. Why do people need to think yeah. beyond their everyday existence, mm -hmm. why is it a bad thing if people don't do that? I think we create a lot of suffering and frustration, just hurt, by feeling like we have to figure it out. And I think in some ways yeah. that the Chinese people here who are not interested in thinking about that stuff are actually getting it really right. Yes. They're just concerned with every day, like how much they're contributing to their family. Family is really the religion here. Yeah. And it's not about discovering all of the secrets of the universe. It's about continuing the family line and working your butt off to make sure that your ancestors are pleased and that mm -hmm. your family line continues. That's exactly where I was going to go next. Just this idea that your aim in life is to make sure you have enough money to support your family. And not just your not just your wife and your kids, but also your parents and your wife's parents as well. Like, to have everyone together, that's your goal, really, isn't it? I mean... Even beyond the grave, the ancestors, <laughs> right. they have ancestral yeah, worship. It's, we're true. coming up on Tomb Sweeping Day. Mm -hmm. I remember talking to one of the developers who work for Written Chinese and we'd taken the metro together and he was younger than me, perhaps five or six years younger. And we were talking about various things and he, I don't know how, how it came up, but he said about, oh, I need to buy a house. And I said, how old are you? And he said, oh, 22 or 23. And I said, are you kidding me? I said, when I was your age, I was still out partying every night. That was, I wasn't thinking about buying a house for goodness sake. I was struggling trying to find a job at that age. <laughs> Next week, I've already collected the fact for next week's podcast, mm. and it's just about that exact thing about how much, how many more young Chinese people are homeowners compared to in the West. Oh, it's going to make me feel really bad. Yep. Yep. Right. Well, 
So shall I give you a Chinese word of the day to go along with this lesson? Yes. Perfect, so let's perfect. do religion because that's kind of related to what we're talking about today. So the word for religion in Chinese is 宗教. And you might recognize 教 from other、um, words about education. 教育 is also means education. 教师 is teacher. So you you'll see this 教 So it's 宗教 Cool. Well, I will link to our dictionary so you can see how to write the characters. How to pronounce that? Everything else. See some example sentences, and you can go to our show notes, which will be at writtenchinese.com/episode 112. And I know some of you out there are sitting and thinking about different aspects of life in China, and you're just <laughs> dying to ask us a question. <laughs> Head on over to writtenchinese.com/voicemail. We want to hear your voice and hear your questions about China, no matter how obscure or bizarre. We want to know all of it. Yeah, we'll try and find a way to answer it. <laughs> Or you can go to、uh, facebook.com/twoichicks, where you can leave you can leave us comments or get on、uh, Messenger and leave us a a question there if you want if you don't want to leave us an actual voicemail. Sounds good. Thanks for listening,、yeah. everybody. Bye. Bye.